Shalom and welcome back to our shiurim on the inner message of the Mitzvah Shemitah. We have discussed in previous weeks the importance of preparation in advance of the Shemitah year. On the one hand, all mitzvot require preparation. But on the other hand, specifically regarding Shabbos, we find that the Torah went out of its way to speak about that preparation. On the sixth day of the week, the Jews are told in the desert when they're going to get a double portion of man, that the time has come to prepare in advance. This mitzvah hachana is understood by some to be a mitzvah da'oraisa, a biblical command for a Jew to go out of his way in order to prepare for Shabbos. The Gemara goes so far as to tell us that the concept of mitzvah bo yoser mi bishlucho, the fact that a mitzvah is best performed when done by a person individually and not by done, done by the use of an agent. This concept of mitzvah bo yoser mi bishlucho is taught regarding kavod Shabbos. It's taught regarding the mitzvah of preparing in advance for Shabbos. Shabbos with its spiritual solitude, Shabbos with its sanctuary in time, requires advanced preparation on behalf of the Jew. And besides advanced preparation, Shabbat <coughs> is not supposed to wait until those final moments when the clock strikes and Shabbos begins in its kviya v'kaimah, in its set status as being the seventh day of the week. After all, there is a mitzvah of tosefet Shabbat. There is a mitzvah of adding on to the Shabbat, of taking from the non-sacred weekday and investing it with a level of the Kedusha of Shabbat. The source of this Tosefet Shabbat is Shabbat Ha'aretz, the Shemitah year, where the Torah goes out of its way to tell us that the Jew is supposed to advancedly prepare through Harisha, even his plowing, which is done in advance of the growth even the plowing of the sixth year should be included in the mitzvah of Shemitah. Because a person must add on, mosifin mechol ala kodesh. He must add on from the non-sacred weekday in order to invest it with the kedusha of Shabbat, and in this case, Shabbat Ha'aretz. So we know of the importance of preparation, and last week we spoke about Kabbalat Shabbat, the special tefillot that are enacted before Shabbat in advanced preparation for the day. And similarly, Kabbalat Shabbat Ha'aretz, the concept of being ready and being prepared in order to accept Shabbat Ha'aretz and Shemitah upon ourselves. In order to understand what this Kabbalat Shabbat Ha'aretz is all about, we are finally ready to go into some of the psukim that describe what Shabbat Ha'aretz is. What is Shemitah all about? What is this that we're so excited for? What are we preparing for, both physically and spiritually? What is Shemitah all about? We will begin by analyzing an aspect of Shabbat Ha'aretz, which is discussed in the first time the Torah discusses the Mitzvah Shemitah. The Mitzvah Shemitah, as we mentioned, appears in the Torah approximately five times. I say approximately because there's a difference of opinion regarding some of the parshios. But clear to all that the first explicit mention of Shemitah in the Torah is in Parshat Mishpatim. In Shemot's Perak Chav Gimel, Pasuk Yud, the Torah says, For six years, you should gather your produce, you should plant. In the next verse, But on the seventh year, on the sabbatical year, during the Shnat HaShemitah, Two very important verbs, what we will discuss in Yerzah Hashem next week, which seem to be the foundation of why we refer to this year as the Shemitah year. But the Torah goes on and describes what happens on the Shemitah year. 
the poor of your nation should be able to eat. And the animals in the field should be able to eat what's left over. You should do this as well, not only in your field, but also in your vineyards and also with your olives. And then the Torah says as follows. Seemingly, no longer discussing the mitzvah of Shemitah. Six days, similar to the Shemitah year, which is the seventh year, we have Shabbat Bereshit, we have Shabbat of the week. For six days, you should do your work. And on the seventh day, Tishpot, you shall rest. And then the Torah provides a reason. In order that your animals should be able to rest, and there should be a resting, literally, with another term, the son of your maidservant and the stranger. This is the description provided in Parshat Mishpatim, to seemingly two separate mitzvot. The mitzvah of Shemitah, six years, you work, you gather in, in the field. On the seventh, Tishmetenu Netashta, there should be some level of release. And instead, your field and your food should be eaten by the poor. Next pasuk, Sheshet Yamin, six days, speaking about Shabbat, you should do your work. On the seventh, you should rest. And a reason is provided here in order that there be able to be rest for the animals. In order for us to understand what it is that we're going out of our way in order to accept on Shabbat, we're actually going to focus on this last verse first. This last verse, which is seemingly describing Shabbat, provides an avenue for understanding what it is that Shabbat and Shabbat Aretz are all about. The Torah here focuses on leman yanuach shorcha v'chamorcha. There should be rest for your shor and your chamor. And v'yinafash ben amtchavagir. There should be a level of nefesh for ben amtchavagir. The word nefesh is a very interesting term. If you ask most people what the word nefesh means, nefesh means soul. It does not mean rest. But if so, we must ask ourselves, what does it mean, vinafesh, ben The son of your maidservant and the stranger, the convert, should be sold? What is that all about? In order to understand this term, and its reference to not only Shabbat, but the Shemitah year, we have to look for the only other time that the Torah discusses the word nefesh in the context of a verb, in the context of an action. That other pasuk is found in Shemot Perek Lamed Alf. When the Torah describes the observance of the Jewish people of Shabbat, something that we speak about, many of us say at the beginning of Kiddush, on the Shabbos day, The Jewish people should observe, and at the same time, Shemot, as we explained in previous Shurim, also means anticipate and await. B'nai Yisrael should observe and await and anticipate the Shabbat. The Dorotam Brit Olam, they should create the Shabbat. La Sotata Shabbat. Ot he Beni Uvein Bnei Yisrael Otid Olam. Shabbat serves as a sign, a covenant between the Jewish people and God. Kisheshet Yamim Asa Hashem et Hashemayim et Haaretz. For six days, Hashem made the heavens and the earth. 
Uvayom Ashvi'i, and on the seventh day, Shavat Vayinafash. He rested Shavat Vayinafash. Again, we find this term Vayinafash. And the question is, what's this word mean? Here, the Gemara tells us what it means. The Gemara Beit Sadaf Tetzayin Madalf tells us the Amr of Shimon ben Lakish. Every week, every Shabbat, right before the onset of Shabbat, Hashem gives the Jewish people a neshama yitera, an expanded soul. And on Motzei Shabbat, right after Shabbat ends, this added expanded soul is taken away from an individual. What's the source? For this added soul, Shabbat Vayinafash. Our verse, Kevan Shabbat Vay Avdanafash. After Shabbat ends, there is this part of a person's soul that leaves. Vayinafash, what is sold? A person is sold. In that he gains an expanded soul on Shabbat. This understanding of the verse found in the Gemara is fascinating. Fascinating for a number of reasons. Number one, the verse is seemingly describing that which Hashem did on the seventh day. For six days God created the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, Shabbat Vayinafash. God rested Vayinafash. Yet the Gemara understands it not only, and possibly not at all, as a reference to God's actions on the seventh day, but rather understands it to be a description of what happens to the Jew on Shabbat? The Jew on Shabbat has this expanded soul. What is this expanded soul? What is this neshama yaseva? In order to understand, we need a better understanding of the term nefesh. What does it mean that nefesh refers to a soul? If we want to understand the term, we have to look at the first time it appears in the Torah. And the first time it appears in the Torah is actually in the first parak of Sefer Bereshit, right at the beginning of the Torah, in its description of Briyat HaOlam. But here we find that there's a startling difference how the word nefesh is used before the mention of the creation of Shabbat, the seventh day of creation, and after it. In Bereshit Perak Aleph, the verb, sorry, the noun nefesh appears four times. It appears in reference to the various animal creations. Number one, the creation of Of, the creation of the bird. In Bereshit Perak Aleph Pasuk Chav, Vayom Elokim Yishritzu Amayim Sheretz Nefesh Chaya, Vaof Yofef Ala Aretz. The Shratzim, the Of, are described as a Nefesh Chaya, a living soul, a living being. Again, a few Psukim later, when describing the creation of, of fish, the Pasuk also refers to, in the next Pasuk actually, Here, the creatures that live in the water are described as a nefesh chaya. And in Pasuk Chavdalit, regarding the creation of animals, In all these places, the word nefesh chaya is used by the bird, by the fish, and by the animal. Yet at the creation of man, as described in Bereshit Parak Aleph, there is absolutely no mention of man being a nefesh chaya. The Torah there focuses on the creation of man, where God says, Na'ase Adam, let us make man. And 
He creates man in his image, in the Tzalem Elohim. That is Bereshit Perak Aleph, with one additional mention of Nefesh Chaya at the end in a very general context. If one would look at Bereshit Perak Aleph, one would not think that man's body is at all described as a Nefesh. Immediately after the culmination of creation on Yom HaShishi, the beginning of the creation process which was culminated in Shabbat, the Torah goes and says, It describes the completion of the creation of the world and the creation of Shabbat, that Hashem provides an added bracha on the seventh day, and God sanctifies it. And immediately after we have what would seem to be a slightly different description of what happened at the dawn of creation. There the Torah goes and describes the Toldot HaShamayim Ba'aretz. What exactly happened when God created the heavens and the earth? And the focus there is on the creation of man. And there it says as follows, Hashem created man out of the dust of the earth, but he didn't stop there. And God blew in through the nostrils of man. Nishmat chayim, a living soul. And through this, and due to this, man became a nefesh chaya. Man became a living being. Here the Torah focuses on man as a nefesh chaya. Only later in the Perek, in that same chapter where the Torah describes how Adam Arishon, the first man, was given the task of providing names, which was an understanding of the essence of all the animals in the animal kingdom. There the Torah says that when Adam Arishon provided names for the animals, that gave them their status as a nefesh chaya. Pasuk says, Pasuk Yutet, <coughs> Whatever name Adam would append to each animal, that would be the name of that Nefesh Chaya. Bereshit Perek Bet describes, after the mention of Shabbat, that man is a Nefesh Chaya. But his status as a Nefesh Chaya was not made merely through a creation from the dust of the earth similar to that of animals, but rather only after God was vayipach ba'apav nishmat chayim, after HaKadosh Baruch Hu blew into his nostrils the neshama of life, and then transformed him into a nefesh chayim. This understanding of nefesh, and what a soul is, is essential for us being able to come to terms with what is the neshama yitera of Shabbat. What is this added soul? How important is it? In order for us to understand, we have to identify that the verse itself, which speaks about the nefesh of man, really seems to speak about three different concepts. Three different concepts which are understood in Kabbalistic sources as well as other places to be a description of three elements of the soul. On the one hand, there is the nefesh. On the other, besides, there is a nishmat chayim. But thirdly, God blew. What do you blow? You blow a ruach. You blow a wind into the nostrils. This understanding of the verse which describes the creation of the soul 
the unique form of man. What makes man unique is understood to be a description of three elements of the soul. On the one hand, there is the most base element, the animalistic soul, the nefesh habahemit, which is, to a certain degree, something which is found not only in man, but in animals as well. Man, as well as animals, is a nefesh chaya. This term nefesh, describing an animal life, is found elsewhere in the Torah as well. The Torah tells us in more than one place that the blood of an animal cannot be eaten, ki hadam hu hanafesh. The blood of a living being is its nefesh. Nefesh is that animalistic part of the soul. But at the same time, the animalistic part of an individual soul is not to be compared to that of an animal. Ruach, this wind, Ruach is the emotional part of the soul. Ruach is the wind. Vatihi Ruach Yaakov Avihem. After Yaakov Avinu found out that his son Yosef was really alive, his Ruach was awakened. This Ruach can at certain times even achieve Ruach HaKodesh. But that is the wind. That is the emotional part of the soul. But the pinnacle of the soul is the Nishama. The pinnacle of the soul is the Nishama, which many of us understand, Nishama, sometimes you might hear a person say, put a little Nishama into it. But Nishama is not the heart. Nishama is not the rest of the body. Nishama is really found in the intellect. Nishama is the intellectual part of man. It's where the Rambam terms, the Tzelem Elohim, is found. The Nishama is what truly makes an individual special. What is the difference between this nefesh, ruach, and neshama? Well, we know that we say every morning, Elokai, God, neshama shenatata bi tahorahi. The neshama, that aspect of the soul that you gave me, remains pure. The neshama, the neshama pnimis, the inner soul of a Jew, always remains pure. It is never tainted by sin. However, the ruach and the nefesh, the lower levels of the soul, can actually be tainted by sin. And the question that a person has to ask explains the Sefer Re'eya Muna. The question a person has to ask is, who's in control? Is the Nishama in control or is the Nefesh? The Nefesh, which is connected to the animalistic drives of man, rests in the foundation of blood in the body. The foundation of blood is the Kaveh, is the liver. The Ruach, which is the emotional part of a person's soul. Rest in the heart, the lave. And the neshama, which is the intellectual part, the pinnacle of the tzelem elokim, that rests in the brain, in the moach. If you take these three terms, moach, lave, and kaveh, and you put them together, if the neshama is on top, if the neshama, the intellect, is guiding the emotional ruach of man, and therefore driving a person towards animalistic drives that are actually holy endeavors, so then this individual is Moach Lev Kaveh, the first letters of which spell Melech. He is a king. However, if he fails in that endeavor, so then Melech spelled backwards. If he's driven by his nefesh, if he's driven by his animalistic drives, and they control his emotional well-being, and his Lev goes after his nefesh, and then his intellect is thrown aside, when his pleasures are at stake, so then, Melech spelled backwards is Kalein. Melech spelled backwards is destroy. 
Tosfot even discusses what is it exactly that Bilam Harasha, the evil Bilam, was trying to do in cursing the Jewish people. The Gemara says that he knew how to be mechavein asha'ah. He knew how to get to that exact moment, that moment, rega, the smallest amount of time, to be able to curse the Jewish people, that smallest amount of time where our Kodesh Baruch would be upset at the Jewish people. And Tosfot asks on the Gemara in Baruch the most obvious question, what was he going to say at that moment? How badly can you curse the Jewish people in a split second? Says Tosfot in one of the opinions, in that moment he wanted to say kalim, destroy. What is understood by some to be, let them be driven by their nefesh. Kaved lev moach. This understanding of the soul as three parts is essential for us understanding what this verb of vayina fash, vayina fesh, ben amatcha is all about. Because after all, on the one hand, the Gemara terms it a nishama yiteva, an added nishama. Yet, the verse itself refers to it as vayina fesh, an added nefesh. What's that all about? In order to understand, we have to identify what exactly is this nishama yiteva. Rashi says on the Gemara in Beitza that this nishama yiteva is rochav lev limenucho ulesimcha. A widening of the heart, an expansiveness, which allows a person to have an added degree of menucha and simcha, rest and joy. V'liot patuach l'irvacha, to be open to expansiveness. V'yochal v'yishteh ve'ein nafsho katza'ala. He'll be able to eat and drink more. Rashi, in a fascinating way, seems to be describing the neshama yitera of Shabbat, not in the spiritual sense, but rather in the physical sense. A person will enjoy Shabbat. Oneg Shabbat. He will feel the delight of Shabbat. This understanding, while at first glance very surprising, would seem to be supported by the Gemara in Masechet The Gemara in Masechet says that one is not allowed, one is not supposed to fast on the first day of the week due to the Neshami Yetera. Rashi there explains what's the problem. Because as Neshama Yetera leaves a Jew on Motzei Shabbat, his body is weakened. After all, on Shabbat itself, he was able to have this expansive level of physicality. In fact, acute aside, many times you'll find that in certain synagogues, in certain yeshivot, someone will speak in davening on Friday night after Mizmor Shirli Yom HaShabbat, before the recital of Arvit, the, the nighttime prayer. And there, unfortunately, you'll find that many times, no matter how good the speech is, a number of people in the congregation will fall asleep. The question is why? Why are they so tired at that moment? So, some have explained that it's exactly based upon this Rashi. Rashi, after all, told us that the Nishama Yitera is a physical aspect of a person. According to many sources, when does the Neshama Yitera come? When the Jew accepts upon himself Shabbat with the recital of Mizmor Shirli Oma Shabbat, the special psalm to be said on Shabbat. At that moment, he gets this Neshama Yitera, which according to Rashi, is an added level of expansive physicality. Roch Avlev Lemenucha for rest. What essentially happens immediately after that transformative experience where Shabbat rests upon an individual and the Jew is given this expanded soul, he's no longer sleeping just for one, he's sleeping for two. His regular neshama and his neshama yitera. 
And because of that, therefore, he falls asleep during the rabbi's speech. I don't know if rabbis would be so happy to understand this is the reasoning, but maybe that could help us understand a little bit why it is that people fall asleep. What we call a limut schut, an attempt to uh, learn something meritorious for those individuals. While Rashi explains the Nishama Yitera in the physical context, the Shita Mekubetza and the same Gemara and Beitza understands it differently. The Shita Mekubetza writes, Nishama Yitera perush chal alav shefa eloki. It descends upon an individual when Shabbat arrives, the spiritual abundance. Viseichel yoter. And an expanded intellect in order to learn Torah at a deeper level. And in order to look in to that which God does. To recognize God's hand in creation to a totally new degree. This understanding of the Shita Mekubetze fits tremendously well with the way in which we explain the concept of nishama. Nishama is that intellectual aspect of the soul. It's that pinnacle. It's what allows for that intellectual greatness. It's what allows for a person to be driven in this context. But which one is it? Is it vayina fesh, the verb itself which focuses on the nefesh, the more animalistic part of the soul, which is explained so beautiful by Rashi? Or is it the spiritual part? which is focused on by the Shita Mikubetzes. In order to understand, we have to see the perush of the Alshich and these verses in Parsha Mishpatim, the Parsha that we started with. The Alshich, when describing why it is that in the context of the mitzvah of Shemitah, as it's mentioned right next to Shabbat, the Torah goes out of its way to mention this idea of Vayinafesh ben Amatchavagir. The Torah seems to provide the reasoning for Shabbat, Laman Yanuach Shorcha in order that your ox and your donkey be able to rest. This is the social aspect of the mitzvah of Shabbat, what allows for a day of rest not only for the Jew himself, but for anyone who works for the Jew. But at the same time, the Torah goes out of its way to mention additionally this concept of the unique nefesh the unique nefesh which exists on Shabbat. Comes the Alshich, and the Alshich explains in a fascinating manner. The Alshich says that you might think that the reason for Shabbat, the reason why HaKadosh Baruch Hu provided a day of the week and a year, every seven years, where no work is done, might be in order to give a necessary day of rest. After all, people work very hard during the whole week. Shabbat if it's be understood as a day of rest and merely limited to physical rest, we can understand very well how we would limit that day. We would express that day as a day of rest, just like the animals, similar to the nefesh. However, comes the al-sheikh and the al-sheikh says otherwise. The al-sheikh says, do not think for one moment that the purpose of Shabbat is physical rest. Yes, that is the purpose but only for the animal. However, for the Jew, and not only the Jew who is a landowner, but even for the Ben Amatcha, even for the son of your maidservant, the most lowly Jew, 
Still, v'inafesh ben What's this mean? I'll read you a translation of the Al-Sheikh. Should you think that the legislation of Shabbat is designed to give man a year's vacation? Or Shemitah for that purpose? This is not so. Just as it has been decreed to abstain from work every Shabbat, as a reminder of the fact that God imbued the Shabbat with sanctity already at the time of creation, so the seventh year legislation is also rooted in similar considerations. I.e., that both on the Shabbat and during the seventh year, a person acquires an additional spiritual dimension, similar to the Neshama Yitera, the expanded soul of Shabbat. The aspect of physical rest mentioned here applies only to your ox, your beast of burden. Humans, however, even your Gentile slaves, seeing that they too have to fulfill part of the Torah precepts, are to benefit from the Vayinafesh, this added soul. There's no need to mention again the fact that this concept applies in an even greater measure to the Jew. Says the Al-Sheikh, Vayinafesh is the secret of Shabbat for humanity. For humanity, Shabbat is not only a day of rest. That is sufficient for the animals. But v'inafesh ben The nefesh, the awakening of the soul, should be appreciated by all of humanity. This understanding of the Al-Sheikh seems to underscore the unique nature of not only Shabbat, but Shemitah as well. Shabbat and Shabbat Ha'aretz, the seventh day and the seventh year, are both times where we physically rest. We put aside our endeavors throughout the week, throughout the years, in order to spend a day. But the question is, how is that day spent? Is that day going to be spent just as a day of rest? Is it going to be spent in our beds? Is it going to be spent playing golf? Or is that day going to be spent with a greater added understanding of what the world is all about? This understanding of what the world is all about allows for a greater understanding of physicality as well. A greater connection to physicality. The mitzvah of Shabbat itself is to enjoy it. The karat and the Shabbat oneg. To delight in Shabbat. But at the same time, if all of our Shabbat is the rest that can be appreciated by those with the animalistic nefesh chaya, the shur and the chamor, who spend their Shabbat merely resting, then we have missed an understanding of the secret of the nafesh ben We have failed to understand what the nefesh yitera, the neshama yitera, this expanded soul of Shabbat is all about. In next lesson, we will expand on the meaning of this expanded soul. We will understand how the explanation of both Rashi and the Shita Mekubetzet are less arguing and more reflecting on two different elements of this essential soul. But before that, as we end, we could start to appreciate that which we're preparing for and that which we want to expand the horizons of the Kedusha through Tosefet Shabbat Haaretz is essentially our goal of being able to arrive at this Nishama Yitera at this expanded soul, to have a greater appreciation of the world, where our rest from work is not the animalistic rest experienced by the shore and the chamor, but rather the spiritual rest that only human beings, the tzel melokim, the pinnacle of creation, can best achieve. Bye-bye.